Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. SecklerLawFirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R LawFirm.com. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the host of this show. If you haven't checked it out, it's a weekly show that we have on uh, Word FM in Pittsburgh every Saturday morning, or you can check it out wherever you find your uh, favorite podcast. I appreciate you checking it out this week. Uh, during the show, we do a couple of different things. Uh, normally, uh, I'm talking to you about something that I find important from a legal standpoint, some new case or some new strategy. We talk a lot about wills and trusts and powers of attorney and how to protect yourself from things like long-term care expenses uh, and different uh, different issues you may encounter in retirement or occasionally young families, whatnot. So uh, this is an educational and informational show. Uh, I am a lawyer, but I am not yet your lawyer, so do not construe uh, anything I say on this show as legal advice. If you have a legal problem, you do need to retain counsel. Don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. Uh, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble that way. So today, uh, as this is airing, it is December the 18th, one week prior to Christmas. We are in a season of festivities and family get-togethers and, and family traveling to see each other, and I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas. Um, but this is a time of the year where we end up getting pretty darn busy in January because what happens is families get together, the kids get together, they don't talk much, but they get together around the holidays, and, and almost inevitably we get calls the first week of January where, you know, I was... Uh, I was at my mom's over Christmas, and I realized she's starting to slip. She uh, she did some things that were alarming to us. She forgot about this, that, or the other thing. We had to repeat stories to her. She was having trouble keeping up with the conversation. And so uh, we end up having a very busy January because people want to learn more about uh, this whole business of elder law and if my mom is going to need care, where are we going to get it? And so what I thought I would do for today's episode is chat a little bit about some of the information you may need to know if you're in uh, that situation. Um, whether it's timely or not, I think this is good information. So what we're going to call this episode today is where are you going to live and how are you going to pay for it? And what we're wrestling with here is the reality of the fact that in our senior years, most of us are going to need some help. Uh, according to the Alzheimer's Association, one in three seniors dies with dementia. You know, and that's just dementia. That's not all the other health care issues that may require the need for care, mobility issues, Parkinson's disease, strokes, you name it. Um, and if one in three of us are going to have um, dementia, and you couple that with providing care for seniors is difficult, for a family to do, it's difficult for care providers to do, it can be awful darn expensive, and so a lot of people uh, like to sort of uh, tuck their head in the sand and, and go with the ostrich plan of, it's not going to happen to me, I can ignore this situation, whatever's going to be will be, um, and I think that we need to bring a little bit more uh, intentionality to this conversation, because in a lot of families, we're eventually going to deal with the threat of long-term care, and so... Um, 
So I want to walk through with you today a couple of different types of care, a couple of different types of residential care facilities, uh, and the different types of uh, payment sources we can get for those uh, for those types of care. Uh, and I, I think that this will be a pretty educational um, episode if you're new to this stuff. And so I just want to start a walk through with the goal that most people want to stay at home, right? You ask any uh, sample, 100 seniors, where they want to spend their final days, almost 100% of them are going to say right here in my house, right? So we understand that issue. Uh, and so the the first care option is to stay at home. Now, unfortunately, staying at home can be really difficult for some families. You know, um, I, I run into these uh, these older fellows who are are hell bent on staying home and and will uh, tell me there's under no circumstance would they ever go to a care facility. But you know, the fact of the matter is that care facilities are full of people that were never going to leave their home. Um, and sometimes the medical need outweighs the, what's safe uh, to, to stay at home, and so we're going to have to consider other options. But if you desire to stay at home, you should know that if you need to pay for care to come into the house, largely this is a private pay situation. Now, it is true that we can get some public benefits to pay for long-term care. There are veterans benefits that will pay for care in your home. There are Medicaid benefits that will pay for care in your home. Generally speaking, the way the rules work right now is you have to have relatively limited income to be eligible for these programs and le- relatively limited assets. And we do a lot of work in that space. And so if um, if you are a person who would want to know if Medicaid can help pay for care in your home, uh, give us a shot. We can analyze your situation and figure out if there's a way uh, to get that to happen. A couple of weeks ago on the show here, I had uh, Deanna from uh, Life Pittsburgh, and she was talking about the eligibility for the Life Program, which is a wonderful, wonderful program. It is one of the best programs out there to keep people in their home as long as possible. And what's beautiful about it is when you're eligible, you can get the Life Program to pay for it. So if you want to know more about the Life Program, uh, and it's offered in, in pretty much every county around Pittsburgh, probably all of them to the best of my knowledge. But if you want to know more about the Life Program, I encourage you to go on the podcast, The Life and Legacy Show, this show. Find it on Apple iTunes. Reach out to my law firm. If you can't find it, we'll get you a copy of the episode because Deanna and I spend uh, a half an hour talking about this program, the eligibility for it, and how it can be used to keep you in your home rather than need to go to a care facility. And when you qualify for Medicaid to pay for the life program, it is 100% no cost to you. And so you ought to check this thing out. You ought to be familiar with it. If uh, if you are a senior who uh, thinks that you may need care down the road or if you're a caretaker for a senior who could use some help in the home, you got to get to know the life program and other home and community-based services offered by the state. Uh, so there are some care options to stay in your home, but sometimes we just can't. Sometimes, you know, there's no daughter to make sure that we're getting around. Very few of these programs would do 24-7 around-the-clock care in your home. You're going to pay big money to have that kind of care, and so some people just can't do it. And so then we need to look at a couple of different types of residential settings. The first is that the lowest tier of care is something called independent living. Now, independent living is really a lifestyle decision the way I see it. I don't think it's, it, you know, you can have people that come in and provide care, but the facility itself, there's usually somebody on staff, but they're not necessarily nurses. And they're not necessarily providing any medical care. It's more supervision and and making sure everybody's uh, okay. Now, this is great. I get this style of living. For me, this might be right at some point in time because 
it's it's one of these things where with um the independent living i am just done i'm done with the stairs in this old house i'm done taking care of the yard i'm done doing laundry i'm done cooking i just want an easier way of life as a senior and i'm going to go to the independent living where they have other people that i can interact with there's social events they might go to the buckos games they might do some different things and i i completely understand independent living um, and a lot of these facilities are popping up just here in Cranberry. A big one just opened up here recently. It's beautiful inside. Um, a lot of these places are really nice, and I think that the baby boomer population is going to be very open to the independent living setting as they age, uh, and so you should get to know that. But independent living is 100% private pay. Um, there is a outside chance you could get VA to help, but other than that, um, it is private pay. Some of them have a down payment. Almost all of them are going to be at least several thousand dollars a month to move in. But I get it. And for folks that can afford it, it might be a, an option for you to consider. Um, the next step up from a care standpoint it would be a personal care home. Now, in Pennsylvania, we have two different licenses that generally serve the same population. Most uh, at this tier of care are licensed as what are called personal care homes. There are also licensed assisted living facilities. There tends to be some overlap in what these uh, communities serve, the, the patient that these communities serve. But again, in Pennsylvania at least, you are not going to get anybody to help you pay for this. Yes, if you're a veteran, we may be able to get veterans benefits to help you pay for it. But no one is helping you pay for personal care at the state level here in Pennsylvania. Other states, you can get Medicaid to help you pay for personal care or assisted living, but not in the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So personal care, you will be private pay. Now, what do these things cost? I've seen a couple that are only a few grand a month, but most of the time, at a personal care home, you're going to be six, seven, eight thousand dollars. I've seen nine thousand dollars a month. So what happens is, you go in at about the six thousand dollar level, and then if you want the bigger suite, or if you want the private suite, or if you want, you know, or if you need additional care and they need to dedicate additional staff and attention to you, you're going to be up a tier or two, and that's how you get to eight or nine thousand dollars in a personal care home. Now, personal care homes are. You know, they're nice places for people. They're usually well-appointed. They're usually well-kept, uh, full of staff that care for your loved one. Um, but it can be expensive. Seven, eight, nine thousand dollars 9000 a month is a ton of money to most folks. And um, with no private pay, with no public benefit option that, that applies in most situations, you're going to be out of pocket for that. But that's personal care home. Finally, we're going to talk about a skilled nursing facility. Now, if you need to go to this is this is a nursing home. This is a skilled nursing facility. Um, a lot of the skilled nursing facilities inside will remind you more of a hospital than they will a, a sort of a residential community. Um, this is for people that uh, need around-the-clock care. Now, it's interesting. In my experience, anyhow, there is some overlap between the people being served in personal care homes and the, person, the people being um, cared for in skilled nursing facilities. Um, there are some, some gray and blurry lines where one ends and where the next begins. Um, what's interesting about the nursing home is that the nursing home is the only residential care facility in Pennsylvania that we can get the state to pay for. Uh, and so, but if you are going into a nursing home and it's private pay, it's super expensive. So the state every year publishes a figure uh, of what the average monthly cost of a nursing home is. And in Pennsylvania for 2022, as we move into 2022, they're estimated 
cost of skilled nursing is over $14,000 a month. Now, that figure went up significantly this year uh, due in part, I'm sure, to um, the financial implications of nursing homes providing care during a flu pandemic. But all of that being said, that's a lot of money. It's 170 couple thousand dollars a year on average to be in a skilled nursing facility in Pennsylvania. And nobody can, nobody can afford that. But what's the interesting dichotomy here is, yeah, it's expensive if you're private pay, but it's not if you're on Medicaid. And if we can get Medicaid to pay for the skilled nursing facility, a lot of the time it's financial benefit to a family to be in a skilled nursing facility. Not only are they potentially getting a higher level of care, there's more staff on site, there's higher trained staff on site, there's more people paying attention. Not only all of that, but it will actually cost the family less money if we get them eligible for Medicaid. Uh, and so this is where a large part of what the elder law practice has turned into is advising people on eligibility for benefits. The first step of this analysis is always has been and always will be what does the senior need? What are the care requirements? And then based on what the care requirements are, then we can help figure out where the person is going to end up living or how they're going to end up receiving their care. Is the life program an option? Is a personal care or home an option? Is a skilled nursing facility an option? And how are we going to make this all happen? So we need to make the decisions first based on the senior's care needs. Secondarily, then we try to figure out the best way to pay for it. So that's the way that the assessment works, and those are the different levels of care. Now, I do want to also point out that I went through each of those levels of care individually, but there are also licensed communities in Pennsylvania that are licensed as what are called community uh, continuing care retirement communities. Sorry, CCRC, continuing care retirement communities. And with, with a CCRC, these are usually on big, sprawling campuses, and you have all of the different levels of care in one location. So there's several very nice ones around the Pittsburgh region. Um, and you can enter there as a senior apartment or independent living, and then they have the personal care home, they have the dementia unit, they've got the skilled nursing facility, all on the same campus or, at a minimum, all within the same network. So if you go in at this tier and you need to move up the ladder for additional care, they have an option for you. Now, what's what's I there's nothing wrong with this model to begin with, right? When when we're working with families and trying to figure out what's the best care arrangement. Um there's nothing wrong with the CCRC model, but from a legal standpoint, I would be remiss to not say you need to be very careful with the contract you sign in entering into any care facility. But in particular, I've seen some things with CCRCs where they they require certain financial requirements to get in, certain financial pledges that can interact and in, in, in perhaps be problematic for what is in your best financial interest. And so just be real cognizant of the fact that um, the different types of care facilities, the different licensing of the care facilities mean different things from what they're allowed to put into their contracts. And if it were me and I were looking at these things and I really didn't know what I was looking at, I think I'd probably get uh, somebody to take a look at the contract before I signed it. I've seen, um, I've seen care communities slide in provisions into a contract that they are not allowed to, under federal law, not allowed to require as a condition of admission to the facility. 
However, you the the person coming in can voluntarily agree to it. So it's in the contract, and if you sign it without counsel, then you're voluntarily accepting the provision, even though what you could have done was opted out of that paragraph that's not in your best interest. Scratch it out, initial it. Sometimes they even have the initial line there, I do not agree to this. And if you opt out, there's nothing they can do about it. They Under federal law, they still have to allow you into the community. But if they can, if they can sort of hoodwink you into signing a provision that's in their best interest and not your best interest, they will, and it's it's right there in the contract. So just be be really really cognizant of the fact that this is complicated stuff, and there's a lot of different laws that wrap around what these communities are allowed to do, and uh, and perhaps you want a tour guide on that service. So if you're just tuning in, you are listening to the. Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm, uh, where we do nothing but estate planning, elder law work, and post-death administration work. We help families through some of the you know, most difficult situations that they're going to face uh, and try to find at least the best legal and financial solution for the problem that, that they're in as a result of life's twists and turns. And so you can find out more information about our law firm and some of the things that you may want to consider doing from a planning standpoint by visiting the website at secklerlawfirm.com. That is S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. Now, if you go to the website, um, you're going to find all types of information. One of the things you should check out is you can come to one of our upcoming events every month, uh, usually every other week. We have estate planning and elder law workshops where you can come and check out all the information that we have uh, and the things I think you need to know before designing an estate plan. You know, people come to me all the time, should I use a will, should I use a trust? Uh, what are the different estate planning tools we should use? How does this all interact? And the answer is we need to have a conversation first. You need to understand what these tools are. You need to understand how they may benefit you. But we also need to have a, a really good conversation about what are your actual goals. I don't want to make the assumption that what you want to do is protect assets from long-term care expenses. Maybe you don't care. I don't want to make the assumption that you want to do planning to avoid probate or to protect your kids uh, from their potential future divorces or any of the other things that we can do with these documents. We first have to have a conversation about what's important to you, what are the things that you would like to see, and then we can talk about how we can craft these legal tools to make those goals happen. Uh, And so that's what you'll find out about at the workshop. You can register at secklerlawfirm.com or give us a call, 724-841-1393. Our office is in Cranberry Township. However, we do a lot of Zoom meetings across western Pennsylvania, and so uh, we also have an office in Somerset and in Newcastle. Uh, And so we can meet you uh, in a lot of different places or online uh, to be able to get you the advice you need. So more information, secularlawfirm.com. Now, I do want to give you a little bit more context. We went through sort of the different types of care. Um, I do want to talk to you a little bit today about how you could get Medicaid eligibility to pay for care. Okay, now. I, uh, as I'm recording this, I, this week I just had a training event with a group of financial advisors, and, and you know we're asked to come in and teach them the elder law stuff from time to time because you know what the attorney does and the financial advisor do, we need to be sort of lockstep. We need to. I, I could write you the world's best will, but if the financial advisor goes and does different things with your investments, my will may not matter anymore, right? So we have to work closely with your financial folks. I don't do financial planning; I stay in my lane. Uh, and but we want to get to know your financial advisor and do do uh, do right by you and a comprehensive plan. So we were in uh, this week, and I was talking to seven or eight financial advisors, and and I can tell you these guys 
had questions about Medicaid. The average retiree is curious about elder law and Medicaid and if I get sick, how are we going to pay for it? And, and their clients' concerns were reflected through their questions. You know, we, I had multiple questions where the, uh, the advisor said, I have a guy who, or I, my, my client is this, or I have a lady who has this problem, right? And everybody's wrestling with trying to figure out, okay, my client is getting sick, or my client's memory is starting to fade, or my client's concerned about their mother's memory starting to fade. What are we going to do to help this person? Uh, and one of the keys is understanding, and you have to understand, Medicaid. Now, I've said this before on the radio show, if you're a frequent listener, when you turn 65, everybody gets to understand Medicare, Medicare A, B, C, D, Medigap, the, the alphabet soup of Medicare. People take the time to understand this stuff because that's your health care, right? But the other program that more people should take the time to understand is Medicaid, what we call medical assistance in Pennsylvania. Because if you need long-term care, Medicare doesn't pay for that. Medicaid can pay for that, but you've got to meet their eligibility requirements. All right, so, and and this is really the fundamental problem. You know, we we talk in a lot of marketing content and whatnot is about don't lose your stuff to the nursing home. But the fact is, the nursing home is not the problem. The the fact is, we've got this crazy government rule book that makes you go broke if you have dementia. That's the problem. Um, and the only answer within that crazy government rule book is understanding how Medicaid eligibility works. But Medicaid eligibility requires certain financial uh, requirements, meaning you essentially have to go broke before they'll pay for your care. But that's only one rule. There are other rules and other nuances to the rules that can allow big savings of money once you go into the nursing home. So I just want to share a couple of examples with you. First, these cases typically break down into two different types. The first would be estate planning, pre-planning for long-term care in the future. So if you are a senior or a retiree and you're worried about what happens if I get sick down the road, I would encourage you to check out one of our workshops where we're going to tell you about asset protection trusts and how you can protect your home, your money from this terrible system that we have. Okay. The second type of case is what we call a nursing home crisis case. And so if you are visiting with a senior loved one this holiday season and it looks like care is on the horizon, you may consider yourself to be uh, in this situation. You know, I had a client, actually, it was one of the financial advisors I was speaking with this week, and he said, you know, I've got a grandma who really probably needs to put my grandfather in a nursing home, but she's concerned about the financial ramifications of doing it. And I was able to explain to this person that if grandpa needs to go into the nursing home, and we're talking skilled nursing, so we're talking Medicaid eligibility to pay for the care. If grandpa does need to go to the skilled nursing facility, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. These are the different different options that we have to be able to protect money. And I was able to show them in a, in a hypothetical example where in a married case, even after someone has gone into the nursing home, that we could protect his grandmother's probably 80-90% of their net worth because we understand how the Medicaid rule book works. See, the Medicaid rule book goes two ways. One of the rules is, uh, you know, if you don't do anything better, you got to go broke, but then there's all these other things you can do funny when you go to the medicaid office or when you go to the nursing home billing office they don't tell you there's other rules that allow you to to take steps to protect assets i can tell you right now there is a listener to this radio show listening right now with a loved one in a skilled nursing facility paying privately for that skilled nursing facility who doesn't need to be 
All they need to do is put a Medicaid plan together. We could work with them. We could protect assets, and we get Medicaid to pay for that nursing home. But people sort of lock up about this. People don't want to reach out to a lawyer. Lawyers are scary, right? Or these rules are scary, or the nursing home is scary. And I'm, I'm concerned that if I take different steps, it's going to impact my loved one's care. But that doesn't really happen. And so I encourage you, if you know someone in that situation where they're in a nursing home, they are paying privately for that nursing home, they're losing their entire life's work, their entire nest egg to this long-term care system, that they ought to reach out to us or they ought to reach out to another certified elder law attorney who can help protect their assets from that event. Um, and a lot of people don't take advantage of the rules and, and what they allow you to do, but our clients do, and I encourage you to check it out. More information, come to my website, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, or give us a shout, 724 841 one three nine three. Now that was a married case. I said we can sometimes protect eighty, ninety percent of the net worth. In a single case, the results aren't quite as good. But depending on what we're allowed to do, whether the person has capacity, what the power of attorney document says, sometimes it's still possible to protect fifty, sixty percent of the person's net worth even after they're in a nursing home if we take appropriate legal action to make it happen. And so you need to learn about this stuff and get your head out of the sand if you are in this situation because we might just be able to save you $10,000, $12,000 a month. Again, secularlawfirm.com. Before I sign off on today's episode, I do want to just do a brief reminder that my biggest pet peeve when working with seniors who have already done estate planning is that they have poorly drafted powers of attorney. When we get into the situation where someone is in a nursing home, and we're trying to protect money, we need a well-drafted power of attorney. Telling me you have a power of attorney document is not enough. I want to look at it. I will look at it for you for free and tell you whether we need to update the thing. Secklerlawfirm.com, reach out to us. We're happy to help you. I hope you have enjoyed today's show. I hope you've learned a little bit on today's show. I hope you check out the resources on our website. Uh, But keep in mind, do not take legal actions. Do not make decisions based on what you heard on this or any other radio show. If you are in a difficult legal situation, you need a lawyer to help you figure it out. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas to everybody, uh, and God bless and a new uh, and happy new year. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.